Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. And with Ziggy Rodriguez. Here I am. That's right. <laughs> Those were inventive words. Um, <laughs> so that's why you get the big bucks. Oh, yeah. So we have a weird show today. It is a weird one. You know, I don't always uh, do reactionary shows, but I just felt compelled. And actually, I had joked about it when we were talking about a topic. Mm-hmm. Our random topic generator, Sam Rodriguez, said... You know what? Here's some random topics, and they were literally like 16 random topics he threw at me in 74-page text. But good stuff. Yeah, it was good stuff. The Joel East Osteen one was not necessarily <laughs> where we wanted to go. But but um, half are in Pig Latin. Sorry about but that. But he guys. did. But he did come back and say, "Hey, that first one. If you want to talk about that, we could probably do a show on that." And I said, "I don't know." But then after getting permission from my wife. I, I said, and now everyone's going like, what is this about? Wow. <laughs> what is going on? She's a saint. Yeah, so she said yes. So she definitely uh, she definitely said that uh, we could talk about it. Good for her. So um, so what we're going to talk about is really faith in crisis. Mm. You know, and uh, sort of a secondary title will be when the world collapses around you. Right. Mm. Um, and I'll just, I'll just preempt all this by saying this happened to me, and this was part of my experience but i would imagine that this has happened to everybody mm. uh and uh tom you've had a recent experience yeah right and Last 40 uh, days for us has been great hasn't it been something going on <laughs> uh and I, but i think all of us have had something big going on where it's like it's like you start thinking about life yeah or maybe even thinking about the lack of it the lack of breathing you know mm-hmm. so i mean basically what happened is my wife uh, i had to take my wife to the er over the weekend so Bess um, is a very healthy person. She doesn't smoke. She doesn't drink. I mean, she'd make a great Quaker, to be honest with you. She uh, she really is very, very clean living, uh, a, a, a good, solid Catholic woman, a great mom. We've got nine kids. A she great historian for the Catholic Cafe. That's right. Exactly right. Uh, and, she, and she, uh, you know... Uh, it's just an awesome, and so when, the, when we're in the hospital and they're asking all these questions, do you do this, do you do this, do you do this, she, they kept asking her over and over again, I'm going like, dude, just put no on all of those things, <laughs> just all the way down. So she has no risk factors, but we uh, she presents to the hospital in the middle of the night with uh, um, lack of, can't breathe, can mm. barely breathe, mm. right, just basically straining for every little, and Sam breathes in while we're talking. Yeah. Oh, I can do that. Um, and <laughs> just uh, checking. you know, and uh, uh, and a rapid heartbeat, so like 145, something like that, mm. uh, heartbeat, um, faint, you know, uh, light in the head, and really over the, you know, looking at what happened over the last month or so, she had been kind of like semi-normal, but maybe, but she had a little bit of a sickness uh, about a month ago, mm-hmm. and then she didn't really, um, didn't ever really fully recuperate from that sickness Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like you might imagine which i don't know what it is but a lot of people have like walking pneumonia Mm -hmm. where someone's kind of sick and they're just kind of never quite getting better Mm -hmm. right so she would kind of like lose her breath a lot or whatever but she was still doing normal stuff normal schedule which is pretty hefty sometimes in the drzymski household Hmm. 
So then she uh, has a great evening of a Curcio um, a reunion group with her friends, um, and they, um, they she comes home, and I'm actually already laying in bed because I'm a party pooper, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes if I'm tired, it's like I got to go to bed, you know. And so she comes home, and she's playing with the kids, uh, and she runs up the stairs. She chases one of the kids up the stairs, and she stops halfway and just pretty much loses, almost loses consciousness, almost passes out. Mm-hmm. She freezes in her tracks. She has no breath. She has no strength. She kind of buckles. Finally, then she comes. She makes her way up the stairs. I I wasn't witness to this. You know, the kids are like going, something's wrong with mom. You know, and it, you know, in that heavy air, when everything all of a sudden gets serious. Oh yeah. She flops down on the bed, and uh, so she's just breathing heavy. It's like, what is going on? Well, ultimately, she, she thought, and we thought, like, well, if you just calm down, we'll figure this out. Just calm, take some deep breaths and whatever. Something winded you. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And so let's kind of. She's like, well, maybe I'll get ready for bed, and we'll just. And tomorrow morning, I'll have feel better, or whatever. Well, within a couple of hours, she's in bed and she can't breathe. Oh, she's having, if she puts her head down, she can't breathe. It's, you know, so she's having to sit up and she's laboring. I said, like, that's it. And she's like, you're right. We you got to take me. So we get in the car, go to the hospital. Now, the one nice thing about this is when you show up with rapid heartbeat and shortness of breath, they throw you at the front of the line. Oh, yeah. yes. You don't do a lot of waiting with a lot of other mm-hmm. people that got like little bags of ice on their heads and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> they, it's, they immediately right. think heart. And I don't. Yeah, exactly. And so they immediately do you know the EKG and mm-hmm. all that stuff uh, to find out what's going on. They rule out a heart attack, but what ends up happening is they're like, some people kind of know what's going on, but we have no idea. And so the docs start doing all this. They do um, an ultrasound, and they have to do a, a, another um, thing with some dyes or whatever. And they discover that she has got a massive blood clot, um, a uh, pulmonary embolism that is sitting uh, basically in her lungs, wow. right over her heart. And it's mm. called a it's called a saddle thrombosis. And if you can imagine what a saddle would do with a horse, it goes like it wraps around that little middle section of the lungs. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, you know, her right side uh, was almost completely cut off. Mm. Wow. 99% cut off where she couldn't breathe. And her left side was struggling. It's a huge blood clot. Oh, they, they you know, they named it. It was like Reginald or something. It was like it was so big. <laughs> you know, they it's like they come back and it's like, well, how big is it? It's like. Well, you ever seen a Volkswagen? You know, it's like I can laugh now because we're, it's we're, we're, our lungs are huge. I mean, if anyone who hasn't seen like human lungs, mm-hmm. uh, they're way bigger than you might expect. Well, this thing was uh, firmly ensconced. Yeah, mm. and so they had to do a. Uh, it's like a, a thrombectomy, is what it's called, uh, or an embolectomy. But the whole point is they had to go and get it. They, they it wasn't just like, hey, take a few blood thinners, because she was in a state of medical crisis i mean Mm. you know everything was bad and it was scary yeah it was super scary and i I, you guys i know and tom tell us in you know 10 words or less what you did yeah so smart me gets on a scooter one of those electric scooters we're on vacation red flags are going off with with william our middle our, our fourth child and uh we're tooling down the road and i made a bad decision on the on the scooter and t-boned a curb yeah. And the scooter and the curb planted me face first and hands first into a sidewalk. You did get a 9.5 in the face plant, I got though, a 9.5, so, so a bunch of abrasions on my face, concussions, so, split lips, horrible, three broken horrible teeth, stuff. broken hand. It was Awful. ugly. 
Right. I, I think know. I, I think I separated my shoulder. And, and five places your hand was broken. Isn't that correct? Yeah, five breaks. Got ten yeah. pins in there. So so here's All the this here's between a, me and you in the last forty days. Now the the thing I would talk about in your situation uh, is that I'm seeing all this. I, I'm, I love my wife, you know, and it's like I was so scared that I was going to lose her and and all that kind of stuff. And I was actually thinking about for you in your situation, like when Cindy reached out to me mm-hmm. when we were I was talking to Cindy, and you can hear in her voice. Now she's a nurse and she's very calm and collected, but you know, kind of like you got a dad voice, right? When you use it, the kids know, like hey, he's not messing around, right? I could tell Cindy wasn't messing around, and so there's a part of me that I, I'm kind of uh, on. You know, in, in Cindy's camp, right? There's me, and yeah. then you and Bess, who had these these traumas, right? Um, are in a camp, and I'm not trying to uh, say that yours wasn't as bad as mine. It's not that mm-hmm. situation, but it's essentially, uh, you know, I was like like having a crisis of faith. You know, I'll be honest with you. See, I'm the deacon. I got the radio show uh, with you guys, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm used to preaching and teaching and telling them like it is. I'm used to getting up there and reading the scriptures and just helping to, you know, uh, the doing the exegesis and explaining what this means and how to apply it in our life. And it's like, man, that guy knows everything. He knows all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you you know you're brought to your knees in a situation like that. Yeah. Um, I remember one one point when they had taken her. Um, from the ER into the ICU. It's like when they came and said, she's going to the ICU, and it's a, a cardiovascular ICU, so it's going to be a bunch of touch-and-go heart patients. You know, she's going to be in there. And uh, and when when they were doing this, like, you can't come back yet. Wait, let us get, us, get her settled, and then you can come in. Um, and so there was that aloneness. Terrible time, man. And I have we have no idea what it is. We don't know what the diagnosis is, other than I heard blood clots. Mm. You know, and so and so all I, re- I remember... In that moment, it's like, well, do I start calling people, whatever? Do I do the dutiful father, husband, you know, whatever, and let people know what's going on? I remember going in. I told her about this later. And I just went into one of those little hospital chapels. You know what? They got the real pretty stained glass. Uh, And they got some book. I don't know if it's a Bible or not. It's like 100 Nice Thoughts for the Day or something. Because it's not real religious. But it's supposed to be a place where religious people can go. I don't know if there was a cross in there or not. All I know is I went in there and just bawled. Yeah. I mean, just unloaded. It was like, and I didn't know. And it's like I did. I'm not. I'm not usually overly emotional in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cried. It's wonderful life. I, I admit, in the end, you know. Mm-hmm. And I get emotional when those kind of things. I love to watch the wedding proposals, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that. And I can get emotional about that. But this was where I was like, I didn't know what to do. Right. When you say that, I'm, I'm reminded there's a line from Lamentations that says, "Pour out your heart like water before the Lord." So I did. Yes. Right, I, I did. I, I mean, I laid it all out there. And, you know, and, and I, I don't know how long it was, maybe 10, 15 minutes, but just sobbing. I'm glad no one else was in there. But, mm-hmm. you know, for my own sake, just like having like, dude, what can I do for you? But uh, mm-hmm. but and I don't know that it helped or hurt. I just know it's something I had to do. And yeah. in hindsight, I look at that and go, you know, we all sometimes in these kind of moments of crisis, we want answers. We want to know what the deal is. We want to hear from the doctor. What does the priest or the deacon or what does the Bible say? What what are the, and we want to have all this reason and whatever. And there is that aspect of things, mm-hmm. but to a certain degree, all of us need to sort of just um, become babies again and mm. crawl up in our dad's lap and just cry because yeah. he'll make it all better. And I don't know that he said it's okay, Jeff. I got you. It's okay. But I, I do know that it was good for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So when, when people go through these traumatic episodes, especially when it's going to stretch over a period of days, 
Sometimes there are moments where God feels near, and other times there are moments when God feels far. Did you have the experience of sort of oscillating between the farness and nearness oh, of God? It was, there was some oscillating going on. There was wavering going on. I mean, I had a crisis of faith. I mean, it's like, why? Yeah. I'm, aren't I doing the right things the right way? Mm. Right? And so there's always that part of me that will go and will say the things that I know are wrong. <laughs> but I can't help but feel them. So in those situations, I start thinking like, well, God, why are you so far? But in hindsight, again, what I'll look, I'll, 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 I'll tell you is there were times where, um, I mean, I, we, we have one common friend. And we'll just say bish hug number five. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and so there was a time where she went off to do a procedure where they had to do this thrombectomy. And it was a, it's a new procedure. And so she, they're going to do this, and I'm alone in the room. And I felt like God was far, far, far away. I mean, just like he's abandoned me. I'm by myself in a sterile hospital ICU room mm. uh, watching some TV with a fuzzy picture of I don't know what it was that was on there, not paying attention, and and I'm feeling alone. And the only thing I could think about doing, I thought like, who who would I want to call? Who would like to want to hear me cry? Because I don't know what else to say other than just like I want somebody to cry to a mm. shoulder. So I call Mike Bishop. <laughs> wow. And and you know he's in he was out of town, and he and I, I just texted him, can you talk right now? And so. When he gets a text the like that, of the night, right? no, no, this one is in the early in the morning. Okay, and, or this is when they had taken her in. We were already in the IC room. And they're taking her to the procedure gotcha. to get rid of this that's, huge. But that's really early right. for him because he's Mountain Time and you're Central Time. Right yeah, now. so he was there. He says, "Like, hold on, pal, I'm at Mass." <laughs> but knowing him, so he comes out of Mass. And then basically, I just you know cry to him for thirty minutes. We just talk, 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 cry, 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 just whatever, mm. and just and so after that. I realized just how near God is because God, God was near to me in that moment. I mean, that's that's mm. God to me, right? He's Mike is will be the first one to say he's not God, mm-hmm. but that's God being present to me in right. a, in a way that right. like I needed as a human being, right? Right, just in the way that like a, a parent can love a child, can stroke, uh, uh, cuddle, you know, nurture, hug a child, and that's really God. That's the child's experience of God. So in my in my childish crying, you know, uh, it was it was God reaching out and saying, "Look, I'm gonna. Here's how I'm gonna." And it was even on the phone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I you know in hindsight I look and see how close God was the whole time. Mm-hmm. But but at this, but there are times like in a crisis in faith, right? Then there you, you don't want it to become a crisis of faith mm-hmm. but like a person in faith who has a, has a crisis there's still a natural tendency to like wonder like is god really here mm-hmm. but for me it didn't take long before people would uh, uh you know reach out now i'm going to i'm going to do something weird we've never done on this show before ever all right, here we go. We're we're I'm gonna skip the middle segment. I'm skipping the segment. We're just gonna keep going. We're gonna keep wow. going. And keep talking. Well, I don't want to stop. I mean, we're in the middle of this, right? So my question for you is, yeah. um, I think you have to get to a point where that you have to want to find out what the purpose of it is. Wow, the purpose of the yeah that crisis. Uh, let's see. God doesn't love me. God, no, God. No, lo- God loves it. us. He loves you. Yeah. But there's a purpose for it somewhere. I know, and have that's get, a difficult. Have you gotten there yet? Have you figured that out? So you know, uh, okay. That's what I keep asking myself. Hold on, that, what happened face to me. Plan. But remember, yeah. deacon teacher. I mean, I know the answers. Okay. Redemptive suffering is the first one, right? Well, I know that's one of them. So, so I know, but so in here's 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 I don't know the purpose. Okay. 
So I'm going to be honest and say I don't know. We get a lot. There is a mystery to our faith. Yeah. So I don't know that God wills suffering, but He allows suffering. Right. And I know that good things happen from suffering. Um, I just that's, I don't wish it on anybody. Purpose. And so I don't I don't I don't know. I I I do know that uh, that in being humbled, we're reminded that we need a Savior. I mean that is a good thing for me. Yeah. Right. So in my sinfulness, in my uh, inability to accomplish great things that I think I need to be accomplishing um, in my own suffering and my own failures, I realize I can't do it alone. Right. Right. So from my perspective, now again, this is a selfish show. It's not really about my wife and what she went through. It's about what we deal with when our world collapses around us. And so, right. like in your situation, Tom, is like what Cindy, what she dealt with, what she dealt with. Right. And there's probably a. Um, a busy, good nurse part of her that's like caring for you and telling you what this is and what that is. But there's always Angel. that there's that part of her, like me, that just hurts and aches and yeah. is filled with anxiety. Like I don't know what's what's going to happen next. Right, and that's yeah. a scary place. So I can uh, relate. Uh, thinking back to an incident, this was years ago. I'm not going to share names just because it. <laughs> I didn't talk to this person and get permission. That's right. But it was someone very close to me who uh, there was a period where this person was uh, very seriously considering suicide Mm. and was really feeling led to go down that path. And, you know, thankfully ended up in a hospital, uh, you know, but here's the thing. I had a realization that once she was in there, that this doesn't just go away just from hospitalization. This is going to be a longer-term thing. And I had to own the fact that I don't have the ability to prevent her from doing that if she's dead set on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I was over, and so I went to an adoration chapel, actually the one here at this parish. And I, I remember going and praying before the, the Blessed Sacrament, just praying that God would, would prevent her from killing herself. And the word that I got on my heart was, she will not be damned. And it came clear as day. She will not be damned. Over and over and over again, that was the only response I was getting. That's not what I wanted to hear. What I wanted to hear was that she wasn't going to kill herself. But then eventually, it hit a point of, wait a second. I keep hearing in prayer, she will not be damned. And I'm throwing that away. But the life that we have on this earth is a blink of an eye. And that is, the, there's nothing more important than whether or not someone's going to experience the beatific vision, ex- eternal salvation. And I didn't, I was so caught up in my own fears and anxieties that I didn't even have the presence of mind to pay attention to what I knew the Lord was speaking to me mm-hmm. and to really take it in and process it. And when I finally let that sink in, I took a step back and I said, you know what? At any given time, we have a choice when we're in these crisis moments. We can either choose to trust God or not trust God, and only one of them is going to bear good fruit. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, okay, you know, I'm going to trust you. And thankfully, years later, she moved past that. There's, that's not on her radar, my radar, the radar of you know, our respective loved ones uh, for her. And so I don't have like prophetic moments like you where you get to, the, the, the voice of the Lord speaks through you, you will not be damned. You know? <laughs> well, that doesn't happen all the time. It happens in a crisis moment. But I, will, but I will second the emotion of sometimes just letting go. Like, so all of us have had, and, and everyone listening has had experiences where it's like, it's life or death, it's job or no job, it's cancer, no cancer, it's kids running away, staying home. You know, we've all got these major, major moments in life 
um, where we really need our faith. And one of the things I think, and again, in hindsight, I've had a couple of days to think through all this. And in hindsight, I'm so thankful for my faith because really it's sort of like kicked in automatic. Right? So so I I never went off the deep end. I cried. I was anxious. Mm -hmm. Right? But I was was held. And, and, you know, one of the things... um, I think about the, uh, the the sort of church militant, right, and what that means. Uh, and I'm not talking about any podcast. What I'm talking about <laughs> specifically is is what the church teaches about those of us who are gathered together on this earth to support and to love each other, right? The deal. body of Christ. It's a big deal. Um, and so, what what happened? Like once I did have time to sit down and send some texts out first to family, my kids. Here's what's happening, you know, to my mom and dad, to uh, Bess's family, and then to a certain couple of uh, prayer groups, groups of people that I get together with, that she gets together with, to let everybody know. And what ends up happening is it, I mean, literally goes viral. It does. That's and, exactly and right. And I had to turn my phone off at one point in time because it was like, first of all, silent, but it was like, <laughs> it was just nonstop <laughs> people praying. I had more little prayer emojis come on my phone. I wish I had a nickel for everyone because I just retire mm-hmm. at this point. But it helped me understand what the church militant is. I mean, I literally had prayer warriors from here to Nantucket, I don't know where, but far away, yeah. who were praying for my best, mm-hmm. praying for her health mm-hmm. and, and us, you know, in the, in the time of crisis. But that's like, that was amazing to me, right, to witness that. And then, of course, some of those same folks, you know, food for days, you know, you think the Baptists have the casseroles down. We Catholics do a pretty good job of taking care of each other. Oh, yeah. You know, and especially love the old school Catholics. Hey, can we give a, give you a meal? I've got meals coming through 2022. You know, we're, <laughs> we're booked out for the meals. <laughs> it, just, it just shows you how much people love and support you. Right. Um, and I love especially meals when times of crisis and trial, because everything Jesus did in the New Testament was before, during, or after a meal. Everything was. Food is so important to us, and he comes to us as food, Mm -hmm. right? Supernatural food as well. So it's just, it's beautiful to see that church militant in action. Well, and one thing I want to make sure that you get credit for is you also were a part of that church militant in action. There are some people in crisis mode who will shut down. And yeah, I, I don't know. There. I think I was fourth and long, and I was punting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I might have been in retreat. But you were there. You have nine children, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you have you, you had to be a caretaker of all these various uh, children of yours, and and you know, in addition to looking after Bess and and things like that. And and the reason I say this is it, it occurred to me. When I was talking to a person who felt like they had been abandoned by God during a serious crisis or during a prolonged personal period of crisis, basically, and I said to them, I said, you know, when Jesus himself on the cross says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Have you ever thought that maybe when you're saying God's abandoned me, maybe it's Christ within you? Who's actually Ooh, shouting yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, and you're maybe more closely united to him mm-hmm. than you realize. Right. <laughs> On the cross, especially. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that that is uh, now also I've 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 uh, had time to think and sometimes that's not a good thing for me. Uh, <laughs> but it's like when you find out the diagnosis and you find out all of that stuff. Well, the first thing you do and every doctor, my good friends who are doctors said, do not Google this. Right. <laughs> so what do I do? Google, 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 Google. Right. And, uh, and I start finding out that, like, 
Man, so what turns out this blood clot had been growing for a while. Um, and um, luckily they found the source, which was a clot in her leg, a deep uh, vein thrombosis. So that's actually a really good thing because that goes away with blood thinners, right? Bed rest and blood thinners, and that's going to be taken care of. You don't want it, what I'm told is you don't want to have a pulmonary embolism, a straddle thrombosis up in the chest and the lungs, um, and not know the source because that's always catastrophic. That's not a good thing to have, right? Mm-hmm. But you still have this thing if there's a blood clot in your leg. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're always at a risk right. of like throwing a piece of that clot, which is what happened. It went up there and lodged. But what mm-hmm. if it had? I mean, you think like, what if it had gone to the right to the heart? What if? What if she had a stroke? What if? What if she had a heart attack? Mm-hmm. What if she? You know? And what if we didn't catch this thing in time and she couldn't breathe anymore and she suffocated in the middle of the night? And I'm sitting there thinking these what ifs, mm-hmm. you know? And that becomes really anxious and whatever. And you can get there, but then what it made me do is go like. Guardian angel, guardian angel, guardian angel. We don't talk to our guardian angels enough. We don't think about our guardian angels, but we all have one. Mm-hmm. God loves us so much that he gives us an angel. Mm-hmm. Tom's got an angel. Oh, yeah. You know, time. who met, he was getting popcorn while you were <laughs> riding that <laughs> scooter. <laughs> no, but, but, but really, it's like we all have that. And so I don't have to worry about those what ifs. Mm. God's got all this stuff right. in some kind of um, beautiful, mystic, cosmic uh, whatever reality that I can't fully fathom and understand. Mm-hmm. I just need to trust, like you were saying about your friend, you just got to trust God. Mm-hmm. I learned that in a big way. I was on my knees a, a bunch. Uh, I prayed a lot. I, I, I gave over. I still re- I'll never forget that time in the chapel just saying, I don't even know what to say. I didn't have anything to say. Wow. Just had nothing to say. I just I basically in uh, tears, just bleh, yeah. you know, gave it all to him. And um, you know, I'm, I praise God that things worked out great. We had excellent doctors, excellent medical care, uh, great friends and family and all that kind of stuff. And the honest truth is it all worked out. But the reality is we none of us know the day or the hour. None of us know what's in store for us tomorrow. So we need to get prayed up. We, we, need, we need to spend time with God and realize who the master is and who's the, who the servant is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it taught me a lot. I know Bess has learned a lot from this experience. She's a wonderful, uh, healthy Catholic mom, um, still doing some recuperating. But uh, this wasn't anybody's fault. So much as it is an, an eye opener, a, right. a wake up moment. I know right. you had that same. Oh yeah. Feeling, yeah. you know, what what could have uh, another inch here or there, you know, when oh. you crack your skull, Paralyzed, right? Dead. Yeah. So we have a good God who loves us, and we just need to realize that. Mm-hmm. Give ourselves over to Him, and even in times of crisis and trial, He's always going to be with us. Amen. And especially, He gives us His Mother. Mm. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.